Welcome. To Arcade Audio. Welcome to this week's episode of Married with Movies. I'm one of your hosts, Samantha Mullet. Sitting next to me on the couch is your beautiful host and my other husband, Chris Mullet. <laughs> what? I messed that up. Yeah, and we're just rocking and rolling. Hello. No, 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 no. I am now sitting next to you. I'll happily be. I'll happily be your beautiful host, but and my other husband. Who's who's your first husband? You. Who's the other husband then? You. No, 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 no. They're both you. Freudian slip it's much? each side of your personality. Oh, well, you ruined it. <laughs> it's Tope. No, <laughs> You wish. Um, <laughs> one day, what's the earliest we've recorded this podcast? We've never done it in like the day, have we? No, we, we've done it in the day. When? It's been shit. I think just like on the weekend when we were doing stuff. Maybe like probably five, but like pre Jillian, pre Jillian, yeah. maybe like a Sunday afternoon. I th- I'm thinking back to the times when we would watch like two movies a week. Yeah, or two movies a day. Yeah, you know, I think because I, I was think gonna say one time, early days we we recorded one time we should do that because every time we start as soon as you say hello and welcome and like <gasps> well does that and also like I I like I if I were to look at myself I'm like are you fucking alive <laughs> like, I just feel like Ugh. yeah yeah but it's okay I'm ready I'm ready to go let's do this the the long awaited podcast is it really long awaited who's this long awaited by me so we I can stop looking at the DVD on our fucking entertainment system here. It is April 12th. 12th, thank you, because I had no idea. Uh, 2023, if you're new here, uh, we're married. We own a lot of movies. We talk about both those things over the course of uh, 45 minutes to an hour. And right now, things are fine. Things are okay. Things are good. Things, things are, are great. Things are wonderful. Grand. Things are the best. No, I'm just going to keep escalating as high as I can. Uh, not much is going on, to be honest. Well... So it's the calm before the storm. Let's put it that way. We have a very busy May uh, to the point where I don't want us to miss a week, but I'm I'm fearful. That... Oh, we're missing a week. Well, me... we have to. I'm going to be exhausted. May is a really busy time for me at work. Yep. As well. So I'm not committing to anything. Well, sometime in the next. So we have that thing you do next week, and then we have the uh, the podcast with Rip and Charlie, and then we're get, we have to watch all three Jumanji movies. And then, uh, really, it, the crux of it is going to be what we draw today. Because this is a random movie that we drew back God knows when. Um, I missed the cards, man. The cards were easy for me to gauge things. I don't, I, I don't yeah. like pulling the spreadsheet up and everything. But we're past the point. I right? know, and I'm, I, I'm behind on updating the Actually, spreadsheet. Actually, I think it, 
Well, no, I, I update. I am. I've been updating the actual score. Oh, good. Oh, lovely. Wix, I thought you were, and then you just weren't. So no. I was like, well, I guess I have to do it. Yeah. Um. Let's see. So the last movie I have here is Paperboy. <laughs> it's not a good song. Uh. Um. Yeah, I don't remember how long it's been since we had this drawn, but uh. But we finally did it. Um. Yeah, we got plenty of of fun. You know, there's a lot of unknown. Like, we've had a lot of stuff like Log Jam. Like, this time of the year, yeah. we have my birthday, and we have the Mullet Award. So, like, This now, time of year. Like, Chris, those two things were three months ago. <laughs> what I meant this was... This time of year? What I meant was, up to this point, we have three a lot of things ago. that kind of, like, Log Jam us. And now, it's just kind of whatever we want to do. Chris, those things happened three months ago. We were log jammed. I know, a quarter of the year is over and done. <laughs> and we're already halfway through this month, basically, almost. Yes, we sure are. Next week, we will finally be able to report back uh, from our trip to the theaters, because we're going to go see the Super Mario Brothers movie on Fri- uh, today, from when you're hearing this, Friday, from when we're discussing this. And then, um, yeah, the summer movie season is upon us. I'm excited. I'm going to go step out and watch Bo is Afraid sometime in the next two weeks. Have um, fun. I will. I'm going to be back very late because I forgot it was three hours. <laughs> so I'm probably just going to go to like the... Uh, I miss working from downtown because I love going to that downtown theater. Oh, yeah. That was a good theater. You liked it. Oh. Ooh. Mm, no. I'm, I'm literally thinking about work in the middle of this because that's a Tuesday. I'm going to lunch with somebody downtown Orlando on Tuesday. Well, I, I, the Move reason I'm doing Wednesday is because Wednesdays right now, I'm currently fasting for dinner, um, even though I was forced to eat a corn dog by my daughter tonight. Um, and it helped a lot, to be perfectly honest. So I was going to try to like combine those things and go to the downtown theater and have something good downtown, but I'll probably just go to the West Oaks because it's the closest theater to me at work and just get something around around there. So it's going to be three exciting. hours, so I'm not going to be home until fucking... Sounds exciting. I won't be home until way after Jillian's in bed. No. Me too. I'm going to be asleep as And well. also, I'll probably be wide awake because it's an Ari Aster movie, so... Don't tell me about it. We'll have to watch it uh, sometime no. in the next Mm-mm. year, so... No. Yeah, I mean, you're sure going want him. I want him to be, like, the most complete filmography that you have. Like, have you, you've seen every Quentin Tarantino movie, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, you've seen... And you've seen... Every, I'm trying to think, like, just directors. That's probably it, right? You haven't seen every David Fincher movie. You I think I've seen most of them. You haven't seen Alien 3. You haven't seen The Game. You haven't seen Girl the Dragon I did Tattoo. That, that's correct, yeah. Right, yeah. And I, I would say Spielberg, but I haven't seen... Yeah, you haven't seen, like, fucking... Uh, Saving Private Ryan. <laughs> I was going to come up with something lamer than that, but, you but, know. But, you know, that's that's the truth. Sure. Um, so I'm going to make sure that you never, as long as I'm alive, you're never going to miss an Ari Aster movie. No, I'm going to miss it. Nope. I'm going to... Nope. Because the thing. Punch myself in the I head. I buy it right away. And then I you nominate, nominate it, it. And then and I then don't you pick, don't pick it, it. And then and people award it. it. Because people hate me. It's great. It's awesome. I'm glad you're in a much better mood now. I'm in such a better mood. Um, anything else to discuss? No, fuck you. I'm trying to think what other weird movies I've watched, uh, rewatched as of late. I haven't watched anything new. Um, I rewatched, what did I rewatch? I watched, rewatched Whiplash the other day. I rewatched, um, there was something else. I started watching The King of New York, which is a movie I've never seen before. And I was like, I can't focus on this right now. I rewatched something else. What the fuck did I rewatch? This is going to bother me. 
you remember when you were walking in here what I was watching? No, I don't pay attention to you. Cool. Thanks, babe. Um, um, I, wa- I I rewatched Matilda <laughs> and with, with versus, Jillian oh, and yeah, Mitchell's yeah. versus the we Machine. We have to talk about this. With Tell Jillian. this story while I oh. think about what I watched. So this week has been a hard week for me, which is why I'm so ornery. <laughs> One of the many reasons why I'm yeah. always ornery on this show. Um, Jillian, you know, we, we had a fun-packed weekend. This mm. past weekend was Easter, and we went and spent some time with um, Chris's family, and Jillian was having a good time, and yeah, she was just exhausted after everything, not feeling so hot Monday morning, so I kept her home, let her sleep a little bit more. And she was oddly off. Oddly off. Jillian doesn't really get sick, thank goodness. We're very, very lucky, um, but she wasn't really herself she was lethargic she didn't want to eat which is when i knew something was wrong because jillian always wants to eat so i work from home she was in the living room i gave her a bowl of cereal to eat she said i don't really want to eat it she had like two bites and she's like i don't want to eat it and i said okay she wanted to lay down so i took her upstairs she didn't want to be away from me so i worked upstairs in the bedroom put the tv on for her and she's just laying there and then she drank a whole thing of water while she was downstairs and, like, while I was moving her upstairs. And all of a sudden, she just sat up and threw up all over my bed. And my favorite purple blanket that I put on her, you know, to comfort her because blankets are comforting. Um, and she just threw up everywhere. In my spot in the bed. Yeah, in your, of course, in your spot in the bed. Yep. And then I, I was like, freaked out because Jillian doesn't ever do that. She, the last time she did that, she was like one and a half. And she's now six and a half. Mm-hmm. And then she just kept throwing up. Every time she opened her mouth, just more stuff came out all over the bed. I'm by myself. I had my cardigan on, which I had to take off. I picked her up, carried her to the bathroom, uh, you know, took care of stuff. But yeah, that was my adventure, and then I, you know, had to go back to my extremely stressful job. And she was fine. And then she was fine. She yeah. was she was fine. She just you she know, had to throw up. Apparently had to do it. Yeah, probably was. Um, over the weekend, we went to my mother's for Easter, as uh, Sam mentioned, and uh, Jillian. I think worst case scenario in her life, she could be a competitive corn eater. This child can eat some fucking corn. That's the worst case. Well, yeah. Jillian grows up. What do you want to be? Uh, the Joey Chestnut of corn. <laughs> I don't want that for my child. Because <laughs> we have to go, and then I'm going to feel like I should have done this, you know? No. Um, yeah, so she, I think she just ate weird. Way too much. Yeah, ate too, ate too much corn, and it's like, well, can't poop all of it out. Yes, just throw it up. So. Uh, but, Yeah. You know, it is is what it is. Who's reading, by the way? You are. Okay, good. Uh, well, yeah. Uh, I figured out the other movie. It was Rocky Balboa. The uh, the sixth Rocky movie. I was like, oh, yeah, I'll watch Rocky Balboa. Sure. Why? I don't know. It's Because like, when I'm watching movies in the background of me working, I want to make sure they're normally things I don't have to pay close attention to. So tomorrow, when I'm doing the same thing, I'm going to put on that Celebrity Deathmatch DVD that I bought. And That's been sitting over there. I know. For I keep forgetting months. I have it. That's why I set it out for months. I bought it like oh, two weeks ago. Months and MegaCon. Months. Um, well, let's stop beating around the bush. Let's get into the movie that we're here to finally watch. And that talk I've, about. I've owned for over ten years when I bought it from the closing movie gallery and, in Gainesville, Florida. And you've never seen it. I've never seen this before. Me you've neither. never seen it either, right? No, no. It is born. No. Born. I have not. 
I'm sure that's a shock for everyone. Tom Cruise and Oliver Stone film Born on the Fourth of July. The best movie of the year, if not the decade, says David Sheehan, NBC TV. Tom Cruise delivers a riveting and unforgettable portrayal of a Vietnam veteran, Ron Kovic, in Oliver Stone's Academy Award winning masterpiece. Pause. You said portrayal of a Vietnam veteran and there's no A. You added a word. That does not count. That does not count. I think it counts. That does not count. That's absolute fucking horseshit. Okay. No. I'm going to put a big asterisk on this. That does not count. Speaking of asterisk, the uh, the award win is for uh, Best Film Editing and Best Director, which we'll get into. Based on a true story, the acclaimed film follows the young Kovic from a zealous teen who eagerly volunteered for the Vietnam War to an embittered veteran paralyzed from the mid-chest down. What a weird phrasing there. Because you almost said waist. (laughs) Who says paralyzed from the mid-chest down? Uh, Deeply in love with his country, Kovic returned to an environment vastly different from the one he left and struggled before emerging as a brave new voice for the disenchanted. I still think it's one. That's You cannot give me a point for A. I can't. You added a word. You incorrectly read the sentence. Fine, fine, fine. I'll still fucking beat you. Fucking count it. Whatever. I don't care. It should count. It shouldn't count. Yes, it should. I'm sure you've counted it for me before. I was anticipating the writer to be better at their job. Uh, you anticipate too much. Because it should have said a Vietnam veteran, blah, 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 blah. Cruz plays Ron Kovic. Like, you should have... I won't smash the shit out of this. I'm so mad. That's fucking bullshit. You best believe I'm... If you're going to be that fucking eagly-eyed, you beady little bitch, then I'm going <laughs> to... Just oh wait. My God. Oh, God. I almost had a heart attack. <laughs> yeah. My heart went, exactly. ooh, easy, buddy. Yeah. God's going to smite you. There. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so I, So when... Let's talk about video stores. When, <laughs> okay. when video stores were closing in the late aughts, early tens, if you will, um, and my DVD collection was growing, and I had ten semblance of money, <laughs> I went and pretty much grabbed like anything that I'd heard of or like recognized from either lists or famous performances or awards that I'd be interested in getting. So that's why I got born on the 4th of July because I did know that it was Tom Cruise's first Academy Award nomination of, I think, two? I think he's only been nominated for two acting Oscars. Um, I'm double-checking that right now. Um, yes, I'm pretty sure that's it. Because he didn't get nominated for Rain Man, famously. He didn't get nominated for A Few Good Men, famously. He got nominated for... Oh, he got nominated for... Oh, did he not get nominated for Jerry Maguire either? I know he got nominated for Magnolia. I know that for a fact. Mm. Um, hold on, I'm scrolling through. Oh, it's not on this. Why is it not on this? I still have Eagle Eye Cherry pulled up. Before I forget, Eagle Eye Cherry was in this movie, I confirmed. Yeah. The, he was like a teenager, but Great. that was... And the credits were like, we just left it on. I'm like, Eagle Eye Cherry! And it was that. Um, so, I was curious. You know, like, this very much is not from what we know as Tom Cruise... Then, when I bought this, who was a certifiable crazy person then, and then now, still a certified crazy person in a totally different way, mm-hmm. um, I, I was very curious. So he's been nominated for four Academy Awards. He's never won any. Um, but the reason why... Oh, he was nominated for Jerry Maguire. 
The other one was for being a producer for Dumb and Maverick. So he has mm. three acting nominations, this being the first one. I was curious. Uh, and also Oliver Stone, who made Platoon, which we did in the very, very early stages of this uh, podcast. Sure did. And mm. won Best Picture, and this was the follow-up. And Stone, you know, winning two Best Director nominations, kind of so close together, is, even at that time, was kind of unheard of. Um, my interest was piqued, so uh, we finally watched it. What did you think? I mean, are is that a serious question? Yes, it is. Okay. <laughs> because it's a movie review podcast we've done for almost 10 years, so I think at this point you should expect to share your thoughts on the movie do that you we remember, watched. But do you remember my feelings about Platoon? You weren't necessarily the biggest fan. Ditto. Okay. Look, I am not the target demographic for this movie. I don't relate to this movie in any fucking way. <laughs> I But you don't have to you have to relate to a movie to appreciate it or enjoy it. Look, do you know how fucking hard it was for me to stay awake last well, night after <laughs> goading you into watching it? So, I immediately regretted so, my decisions. So has been documented over the several weeks at this point on this podcast. We had this and Benjamin Button, two and a half hour and, movies and, each. And as has been documented over 10 years of this Samantha podcast. Samantha can fall asleep standing on her head in the middle of a fucking earthquake. That and we are extremely competitive with yes. each other. It's how it's like our love language so with each other. So we were trying to make sure what we did with Benjamin Borden, we need to start the movie. With what? With, 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 with <laughs> that you didn't read that. Yeah, I know. Uh, we need to start the movie at 9, because that way it'll be done by like 11.30, so that way we can like go to fucking bed. So, But then I had to make a fucking pot roast last night. We messed it up, so it took I longer. didn't mess it up. And the it Instant took, Pot didn't pressurize in the right time. And then it took longer for Jillian and to And you forgot sleep. the horseradish. I took a big old shit. There were a lot of so it was a like lot of nine things. twenty nine thirty, and it's like, oh man, we wanted to record, we wanted to watch the movie Tuesday, so we could record tonight because also we wanted to have enough time after we were done recording to watch Ted Lasso because I don't like potentially getting anything spoiled for me over social media, and so we were like, and, I was but, like oh, but you were fine, being a little bit, you were being a big big baby, I like, I'm baby. so tired, I don't like, think I want to do it. I said, okay, you big pussy, and, and was, then you're like, I was all like, right. fucking put the movie in, and you bet, and I was also, because I knew the reason why, because I knew the time, it was like 9.35, I was like, you're going to fall asleep, we've been avoiding this movie for two fucking months, it's a Vietnam war drama with Tom Cruise, you're going to fall asleep 20 minutes in, and for the next hour and a half, I'm going to be like, Samantha, wake up, and it's just not going to be a good time, it's going to skew my thoughts of the movie, so I only did that once, near the end. Yeah, see? So. Look, I thought that this movie was boring as fuck. Really? I did not like this movie at all. I, felt, I like this I a lot. I felt like this movie was an hour too long. Oh, it definitely was too long. And definitely was too long. I, I just, I didn't, I didn't dig it, man. I didn't dig it. Could have so, done with that. I could have done with that nap. Wow. Okay. So I, I very much liked it. Uh, I will say, yeah, I definitely dragged, and we'll, we'll, I'll get into what I felt dragged. Um, and also, the first half of the movie was a much better than the second half of the movie. The second yeah. half of the movie, to me, veered a little too much into... Uh, 
how do I put this? It got laughable in the second half. Like, it was still taking itself way too seriously. And yeah. kind of put itself up on this, like, self-righteous pedestal. But it also delved into stuff that, like, I can't help it. Like, kind of made me, like, internally giggle and be like, are we still supposed to take this seriously? It kind of got a little borderline parody in some of the situations mm. and some of the portrayals that we were seeing. Uh, the first half, I was kind of gobsmacked as to how much I actually liked it. I was like, the first half of this movie, number one, the cast. I mean, oh, the is cast insane. overall, the cast is insane. There's like little cameos here and oh, there. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm just gonna throw them out real quick here. So obviously, Tom Cruise is your star. Willem Dafoe is second build. He doesn't show up until an hour and a half into the movie. Um, you got. Fucking Styles from Teen Wolf. That was like the first thing you said. You got so giddy. I was so excited. I was like, Jerry Levine's in this. Let's you, go. You were so giddy. Fucking Brett from Pulp Fiction, Frank Wally, who's got a significant part. Uh, and then later on, you got my man Mark Moses, Duck Phillips. So you're like, is that? I'm like, yeah, it's Duck Phillips being yeah. a piece of shit again. Yep, yep. Uh, you got Reggie Cathy. You got uh, fucking, uh, I don't know the actor's name. I should. But uh, Joe Mental from Dumb and Dumber and, and Goodfellas as well. Uh, you got Michael Wincott uh, from many things, most recently Nope. You got fucking John C. McGinley at the very, very last scene of the movie. Vivica A. Fox is the hooker in this movie. She, you see her for like two seconds. Uh-huh. And realized afterwards, I'm like, Vivica Fox. Hmm. Was there another one? She had to add the A. Um, and then Eagle Eye Cherry. And, but, and then um, what's her face from Charmed? Piper. Oh, uh, Holly Marie Combs. Holly Marie Combs. Tom Sizemore. Um, yeah. It's got an insane gap. Mind you, not just... So, Tom, Tom Sizemore, Willem Dafoe, and Tom Cruise, all three of them, as, like, coked-up Vietnam vets in, like, a brothel in Mexico. How can you not like this movie? I don't like any of that, but you get know what I'm saying. Uh, so, the cast is insane, but the way that the movie, at least in the first half shows, to me, even better than Platoon, kind of what that era was like, really worked for me. Because it did the juxtaposition. In Platoon, you're right in the suck, right? Like, we're in it the entire time, and it's, I think it's too much. And that's Oliver Stone's, like, whole MO. Especially this time was, like, he was in it, and it was fucking awful, and it affected him forever, and it affected a whole generation forever, and it was kind of the, the death of like the innocence in this country. Because then it leads right I into like it. it leads right into like the fucking seventies, which were a, a total shit show in every which way. I it get was. that, and I appreciate that, and I do appreciate in the first half of the movie, like the defining moments in Ronnie's life that they show that kind of shape who he is. Yeah. And that's kind of like what that experience was for everyone growing up at that time that kind of got us to where we were mm-hmm. with everybody volunteering and going and then the fallout. So I, I did like that yeah. as a concept. When I was surprised like how much, like I just assumed that it was like a through and through war movie up to the point where I knew he was a vet that, you know, you saw his struggle. So I thought maybe, like, 
we we got it right in the middle of it. I didn't know what we were gonna have like basically twenty thirty minutes of him from like a child all the way through like going and being this mm-hmm. gun ho mm-hmm. serve your country, and it was much more of a character study than I thought. I I just was under That's the guise true. of thinking it was gonna be more of like basically I thought it was gonna be like platoon too. But then you just get to see more of the after effects. And then I was even more fucked up because another actor I forgot is fucking Behringer. Like, literally, there's like a dozen people from Platoon in this. It's like, is this the same fucking universe? Is this like the yeah. same movie? Because you have Behringer and Defoe. Um, so then, like, you get him at prom. You get him, like, getting ready to go. You get him struggling with, like, you know, you know. Guilt. Not guilt, but, like, him juggling you know, being an innocent, burgeoning adult and, you know, having feelings for a girl and having high school and then going right into, you know, he's on his second tour. Yeah. And he's like, a, he's, a, he's a veteran in that he's still out there. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. he's been through it, you know, talking to this Wilson, this young kid. So, like, that, you know, him dancing with Kira Sedwick... And him accidentally shooting Wilson, like, those come within, like, five minutes of one another, yeah, basically. Yeah, And it's like, that is just crazy shit. And, like, that's how it was. So that depiction of that, to me, worked very well. Like, that stretch from there through, you know, accidentally killing an entire family and seeing the horror at, at hand and their reactions to it, and then into Friendly Fire... And then into him getting wounded. Like, that is an incredible 20, 25-minute stretch. Yeah. Where I was like, this movie's amazing. Um, because it's so fucking impactful how careless his early life was to now... All the way to the world. Yes. I think that, that that's... That's how it was. Was oh, it was, and that's why it was so profound it was to me. Really impactful. I think that they did show that really well, and then like you know the pressures of having to be the best and you know win the state wrestling championship and the seeing Tom Cruise as like a young kid wrestling was something I was not prepared for. Yeah, it was intense. It was really, yeah. but I, I I did appreciate that. Okay. So everything like pre. Pre-war. You were fine with. I was, yeah. Was there anything post-war that you were? So. War plus. So I still, there's still plenty that I liked and appreciated. Okay. I will say that basically from the VA hospital on, it Mm -hmm. does get to become a hard watch. Not that it wasn't a hard watch with a slaughtered family of mm-hmm. men, women, and children in Vietnam, and all the the terrors and horrors of like being on the front line, but like the sad realization that like the hospital scene in some ways is almost fucking worse. You know what I mean? Like it's purposely done in this dirty, grimy way, and I I like the fact that Alderson won Best Director for this movie because I think it is a wonderfully directed movie. Um, I think it's wonderfully edited as well, and those are the two things that won. I do think some of the cinematography is also great. Like some of the color balancing of the shots that just show like the, like the tinting of everything fits in so well with what 
Tom Cruise is going through in every single scene. Um, because the VA, like, it feels like there's this, like, glimmer of hope, but it's actually fucking, like, purgatory. It's yeah. actually, like, somehow worse because everybody should be being taken care of and they're just fucking not. They're just left to basically be bathed in mass and covered in shit and not cared for and losing the ability to do things they they are enthusiastically think they're able to do like it like it's a great contrast and also a great continuation of what we already saw and but it's not necessarily the most exciting fun yeah, like no. yeah watch a movie Absolutely you know not. you've ever seen Absolutely i can deal not. with that but that's not your thing yeah a thousand percent it's definitely not my thing um but you know we always talk about how like there are some movies that you know they they resonate even if they're mm-hmm. supposed to be depicting a different time or were made in a different yeah. time um and you know it it's sad to see that since the vietnam war the va and their treatment of patients and their funding and all of that has not oh it's improved it's significantly bad. right it it has not kept up with the times if you will like they yeah. didn't learn their lesson mm-hmm. and that was heartbreaking for me like it was real like it was gritty the depiction of it and it sucked it mm. sucked having to watch it but you know i so yeah that's all i want to say on that and i don't yeah. really have anything else to say um for me where the movie turns and it doesn't fall off a cliff but it definitely turns is when he comes back and you kind of have to <sighs> wallow in the dissension and feeling of the family. And at first, it's good because it's another layer of that life permanently changed and everything kind of sucks now. Mm. Because you have like the people outside, like all wanting to pay their respects and say hi. And he's obviously got like all the PTSD in the world of like he doesn't know how to be a normal person and mm-hmm. anymore, even around his family. Yeah. And he's still coming to grips with. The world he's returned to is vastly different and he's not accepting it because of what he's personally been through. He feels betrayed by everybody else, not betrayed by his country yet. Um, So it's intriguing. I like when he's giving the speech and uh, the baby cries because that's the thing that that reminds him of leaving that baby in that home in Vietnam. And that's kind of the... like the beginning of the catalyst for, you know, the change t- to, you know, kind of becoming an, an activist and whatnot. Um, or especially the catalyst for him being a full-blown alcoholic mess. Uh, but there's so many scenes in between there. Basically, anything with his family is the worst part of this movie. Those scenes are unfortunately, to me, where Cruz is bad... And I will say this. Let's, let's be upfront. Tom Cruise is still the MVP of the movie, right? Look. I mean, because I, I don't know who... I have I have a couple other people that I, I, I could make a case for. I always could make a case. I think he is very, very good in 75% of this movie. Yeah, okay. I'd agree I think, with that. I think you there is another... You know who the LVP is, though? His fucking hairstyle throughout the entire movie. <laughs> Every iteration of the hairstyle, every it was 
god awful. It's like well, it had to be, yeah. It did not have to be. It did not have. I mean this in the nicest, most respectful way to potentially any veterans who are listening to this. That's kind of what those people look like. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I, you've you've seen those Vietnam veterans wearing their hats and they take them off. And it's like, oh god, put that hat back on. You know, and shave. Um, I think there was twenty five percent of this movie where he is kind of bad. I do. I, but I think the other seventy five percent make up for it. But you think it the term the phrase valuable. Mm-hmm. I could see. I could think if you gave me a few minutes, I could think of five people that I think might have done a better job with this. I think the the bloom is off the rose in twenty twenty three watching this movie because we've seen Tom Cruise all the way up to this point. And now, like, Tom Cruise would never do this movie now. You know what I mean? Like, Tom, Tom Cruise would want to actually go out and take live rounds. Um, but Tom Cruise is such a crafted, molded, like, figure that everything he does is, like, meticulous, right? Mm-hmm. Back then, it was a novelty because you figure this was post-Top Gun, mm-hmm. either post or during Rain Man, and those were, you know, box mm-hmm. office smashes and still getting acclaim, but they weren't, you know, the drama award movie. Right. So this put him on that level, but also let people look at him a different way. as like, oh, he's like a serious actor. Well, now we, we know that because even if you and I have never seen this <sighs> movie, we know because of other things, Tom Cruise is fucking really good at what he does. Yeah. So it's different to see him like this. When I feel like he's going for it and trying a little too hard. I still think, you know, he has, when he's more understated, he's excellent. But the two scenes that I'm specifically talking about, the first, like, family dissension scene where he's, like, really talking with everybody about, like, how disrespectful it is and love it or leave it. And his brother, I don't know the family dynamic at all, those, all those people. But um, his brother is, like, you know, fighting back at him. That scene's bad. Um... But I think it also has to do not just with Tom Cruise, but with who else was in that scene. I don't think there was really a good actor in the bunch. Yeah, I, I we'll get into LVP later in terms of, and a lot of them have to do with his family and uh, you know the people that are surrounding him there. But uh, but the scene that really was like, oh man, I hope this doesn't turn on its ear was when he comes back uh, from like. Not the bar. He's not really a bar fight, but like he's like the drunkest we've seen him, and him and his mom really go at it, right? And his dad gets involved it's right before they send him to Villa Duce, the, the right before they send him to Mexico, and he's just he's turned up to a billion, right? Yeah, like yeah. he's being drunk, he's being uh, crazy, he's being sad, and then he just continually keeps talking about. How his penis doesn't work. <laughs> I'm like... It did take a turn, yeah. It was like... That's what I found. <laughs> your phone's been... Your watch has been doing that a lot. Well, I'll be in the middle of saying something, and like, it'll like have research. I'm like, oh, I don't want to know what the research is. I don't so, know why. Because all of a sudden, your watch is going to be talking to me about Tom Cruise's penis, and I don't want to fucking know what it has, has found out about I don't about know why it. it does that. Um, but... Unless it thinks we're saying Siri. I, I don't know. But that scene was teetering 
from good to bad pretty much the whole way until he's like, and my penis doesn't work. And she's like, don't say penis in the house. He's like, my penis and my penis. And it's like, this is like, I kind of like a bad SNL sketch all of a sudden. Yeah. It, it, it really, it really threw me off. And then you're going into the full blown fever dream that is him in Mexico. Because that's that's what it is. What you're sitting up? Oh, you're sitting up. What do you? No, about? no, no. I was just re- readjusting. Oh, I thought myself. you had things to say about Mexico. No, no. I was just readjusting myself. Well, no. Mm-mm. You don't have anything to say about Mexico. No. You don't have anything to say about the weirdest, grossest, sweetest, and saddest sex scene I've ever seen in my entire life. I wouldn't use all of those adjectives to describe Which, it. Which rank those four adjectives? Say them again. Four, let, let me set the stage for everybody. So. Tom Cruise, up to this point, has never had sex. And that was, as, as he so uh, drunkenly and sobbingly explains to us, his penis doesn't work at this point. Um, despite the fact that he's been trying to bang Kira Sedwick for two hours. Uh, so he gets sent to Mexico for basically like a, it's like a convent almost for, you know, Vietnam like veterans. It's a rehab center, Chris. Not really. It's like, it's like the villages. <laughs> It's basically the villages of Mexico. More STD. Yeah, for Vietnam vets to just be fucking drunk and bang Mexican hookers all the time. So one gets his attention. And sure, it's it's a stimulus package, one way or another. Heyo. So like, he's insistent that nothing is going to work, and she's insistent that she's she's already gotten paid, so she might as well fuck this you know man who's paralyzed mid chest down. (laughs) Uh, And so from there. It thankfully cuts to like later on in the process, but she's like pouring with sweat. She looks like she's just gotten in a race with Michael Vick for four hours. And he's, he's and he's sobbing. He's sobbing and he's like euphoric, but his face is just wet and like his fake mustache looks like it's about to come off. So I said <laughs> And his hair is oh, not a good horrible. style. Oh, it's bad. His hair is so bad. Uh, I said weirdest, grossest, sweetest, and saddest. So rank them from most applicable to least applicable. So, say again? Weirdest, grossest, sweetest, and saddest. Sweetest is the last. It does. It's least, a little sweet at first. Least <laughs> yeah, applicable. you're right. You're right, yep. Then, I would say most applicable is going to be... I'm torn between weirdest... And grossest. I, I think I think it's I think the order is weirdest, grossest, saddest, sweetest. sweetest. Yeah. yeah, I think that's correct. Yeah. I think that's correct. Yeah. It yeah. was it was it was bad. Here's a question. Why did his dad send him there? <laughs> like what did his dad hear about? Granted, it's the seventies at this point, so there's not a lot of research or late sixties. There's think not a lot of research to about be like like a, a rehab, a rehab place. But like, it's just actually not that. I guess. I, I don't know. Not like rehab, he, like we're thinking like Physical rehab. He it's got the just wrong like pamphlet. A, no, I think it was just supposed to be like a like a social rehab place, and like you're around okay. other people who are just like you, right? Like non able bodied veterans who've been through the same things, yeah. whether it's the same war, different war, whatever, and like you know, that's a completely different kind of environment than being home with your family where. You know, nobody's been through what you've been through. I yeah. both from a war perspective and, you know, a paralysis perspective. And then also half of your family doesn't believe in the war. And so, you know, 
that's upsetting on different levels, right? Like it's not a healthy environment for someone like that to be in. So Absolutely. I think that was part of that. Sure. So I think that's kind of what it was supposed to be well, like a, a safe haven or a rehab or sure. something. And it's important to point out at this point that this is based on a true story. This is, this is an adaptation of Ron Kovic's actual autobiography about his life. Um, so you always take those things with a grain of salt, you know, what did and did not happen. I don't know if you got in a spit fight in the middle of the Mexican desert, essentially. That was the worst scene. <laughs> I like that scene. I mean, it was, I thought again, it, but it was, was, it was humorous to a I certain extent. It, it shouldn't humorous. have been. I think that it was capricious, unnecessary. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think it detracted from it a lot. I, I felt as though it was like, making fun. So I'm glad you mentioned that. Because of, of everything. And I kind of was a little offended. Like, I hmm. granted, I don't know if two people in a wheelchair get into a spit fight. I'm not, I don't have firsthand knowledge of if it's an accurate representation or not. Sure. But I was offended for non-able-bodied community. Makes sense. So what I was going to get at was... Makes sense. Fuck off. No, 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 no. You're 100% right. But I thought you were uh, veering towards a different way of what I was getting at. To me, there's this undercurrent throughout the movie of kind of backpedaling all stances and backpedaling any support for anything. So as an example, you know, to me, it's obvious that fucking Oliver Stone is anti-war, right? You know? But even, but even in this, it, to me, there's this, like, underlying feeling of, like, the protesters and the hippies, like, still kind of being, like, ridiculous or vilified. It's, it's that. Like, they, they, get, they, get their, they get their soapbox, they get their, their time, and obviously it's where our protagonist, for lack of a better word, like, is pointed towards. But even when, like, it's being supported, I can feel there being, like, some cynicism it's because it's like that patriotism and anti-patriotism. Yeah. It's like, you know, and and it's hard. It's really difficult being in that environment, growing up, loving your country, being patriotic, and basically having that mentality of, like, the way to prove it is to serve your country, you know, and, and yeah. fight for your country, die for your country. That jingoist... Exactly. You know, that, the all end all. That is that is how society used to be. Mm-hmm. There's still a lot of Oh, it of still is. Very like much that. still is there, for 50% of the nation. There, exactly. And and so in that mindset, again, not familiar with it at all. Not my mentality, not my ideology, but in that ideology mentality that anything that differs from that is anti-patriotic and this was a time where communism was on the rise it was you know a scary time for a lot of americans Mm -hmm. and i kind of get it and i kind of get where it could be that like uh unconscious unconsciously oliver stone like bringing that to 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 the forefront of that that vilification yeah. of like those hippies or people who are anti-war, whatever it is, not I don't think purposefully because obviously his perspective now is very different than it was when he first went in sure. to 
the military, right? Well, so yeah. I think that it could be an unconscious way of like, it depending also, on whose perspective you're seeing the movie through. Sure. It also doesn't help that from here on in, basically, he be kind of comes this crackpot conspiracy theorist. Like, you know, he does JFK, he does W, you know, he also does Natural Born Killers. Uh, he, he's a very cynical filmmaker and director and outlook. Um, and probably a piece of shit from other research that I read, sure. of course, naturally, because he's a man who made films uh, in the 80s. But, uh, yeah, it, you, you make a lot of good points there. And the other thing with me is that the, the storytelling of the movie in the last, like, 30, 45 minutes, to me, leaves a lot to be desired. And this is what actually happened. I don't think they did a really good job of, like, showing us and verbalizing, like, this turn. Because initially, it seems like his turn is just predicated on trying to get interest from Kira Sudwick's character again, right? Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden he's brash and he's anti-war when he's playing pool with like these other veterans. And up until that point, he's still been pretty staunch in his support. And then like the end where he's like this full-blown like activist, you know, back on the battlefront essentially mm -hmm. against this opposite side of the convention and the police it's an odd tone for the end of it because it almost feels like the end of it, he's like this opposite side caricature. Like he's almost seems like this like magnanimous, you know, uh, like political out activist hero. He was probably taking a lot of like lithium. I don't know. Well, I know doing a, a little bit of extra research after the movie, um, he was going to be uh, running for office um, before this, either before the movie came out or around the time the movie came out. And because of his book and some questions as to things that actually happened and, you know, some of the stories, it was just going to be too much and he ultimately didn't. But, you know, I don't see what they were ultimately trying to accomplish with this character and this arc in this movie, like, in terms of who he is as a person. Because there's a lot of, to me, mixed messages and jumbling, you know. But the, isn't that what, isn't that, like, kind of who we are? Sure, that is who we are, but also... It doesn't necessarily make for an interesting, watch. concise, yeah, interesting. I agree. Filmmaking. Oh yeah, I agree. Um, because like not interested in this film at all. Because when it, when he goes and visits like Wilson's family, like that whole stretch is like a big old skip to me. Look. It's just kind of like a dead a a fucking uh, uh flatline in terms of acting and emotion for everybody. It's a it's I it just drags. I can't believe that there. are were places like that in America and that there are oh, still, still places are. like that yeah. in America. Oh, yeah. The scene setup reminded me of in my movie, Get Your Paper Boy. Get the Paper Boy. The it was paper very boy. paper boyish. It was like yep. very yep. paper boyish, like with yep. like that swamp, like backwoods kind of feel. Um, I kind of get it from the dialogue of like why they went there because they said who, you know, like Wilson died and then they named like, three or four other kids from that neighborhood or like that, you know, sprawling town of like backwards people and how the, and it was like that juxtaposition of like, no matter if you're in like this town or if you're in like Massapequa, New York, yeah. where all of these guys died, you know, it's like this war took our boys away. Mm -hmm. Like, and, and like, that's like, that's the feeling of the Vietnam war that I'm used to seeing portrayed of like, 
the mistake of getting involved, the mistake of the people who enlisted, and no matter how patriotic they are, like, you cannot deny the destruction of these lives and these Mm -hmm. towns overall. So I think that's what they were trying to do. But I didn't have to be, I did not have to be transported to that area with those people for them to tell that version of the story. So one of the best things the movie does is how prescient it still is. And we found this a lot with a lot of these like war movies or, you know, America back in the day movies is where we are right now in 2023, we are still very much where they are. These like staunch difference differences in opinions mm-hmm. where people are going to verbalize it and act on it to an nth degree like it looks sure does look familiar right sure does uh, but that's not purposefully done in the movie i mean i was 2 when this movie came out i believe um in you know in post reagan era you know basically the entire 80s were dominated by you know, Republicans, and I don't want to get political on this, but... Oh, we can um, get political. Nah, I'm good. Uh, you know, I, I'm sure it still had its footing at that time when it came out, but to me, it's even more present now than it was then. Um, but, yeah, it just, it kind of ends, it, it kind of ends a little odd for me, and especially the last, like, 30 minutes is just kind of... If I were to like line graph this movie, it would be on a very, very high upwards trajectory and start to like level off when he kind of comes home and then it steadily goes down. Mm-hmm. It peaks up a little bit uh, during the like kind of the riot. And, you know, I think that's wonderfully shot in the way it parallels, yeah. you know, like it's shot and sounds exactly like both bat- previous battles, right? And that's the point, is the war at home is just as important, it's just as vicious as the war out there. Um, but there's so much, there's so much draping around it that just isn't for me. Um, we never finished this MVP. Definitely. Oh yeah, we did Do you have anybody else to nominate? I do have two other people. Oh, you do? I do, because I always at least have. No, I don't. Mm-mm. So, I mean, my boy Jerry Levine. Uh, oh my god, no. Styles is only in two scenes in the movie, but I don't understand why he wasn't a bigger, like, I mean, he very much is, like, just that guy and everything I've ever seen him in, which is these two things, but I don't get why he was a bigger name, and I, he still works, he's a TV director, he was a regular on many sitcoms, Keep but getting them checks, dude. Jerry Levine, keep doing it, man. My other one was Willem Dafoe, because I think the energy that the movie needed when he comes into the, into the fold... He's exactly right for it. And it's Willem Dafoe. He's great in everything. Yes, he is. Um, but at the end of the day, almost by an absence... I think there's a lot of people that are good and solid in this movie, but there's nobody that I think that stands out beyond Tom Cruise. I agree. That kind of has to be him. Um, I don't know if this is his first MVP or not. I'm checking my list twice. Shout out to Santa. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this is Tom Cruise's first MVP. I don't know. And we haven't done a lot of Tom Cruise movies. I know we did Collateral. Yeah. Um, but I think that might be... I don't think we've done much of else. Yeah, so Tom Cruise, the MVP of the movie. Uh, LVP. I have four. 
really two, and I know who I'm really going to pitch. Um, but I'm interested to see, because you did not like this movie, and I ultimately did like this movie, who you would go with first. That's not the person that did the, the hair and mustache for Tom Cruise. The the person who did the hair and the mustache for Tom Cruise. Very predictable. Uh, I did not like the mom in this. So, I did not like the dad in this. Fuck them both. I, I, don't, I didn't like either. You could probably convince me on the mom. She's not on my list. The dad to me, the problem with the dad is at least the mom was like emoting and like trying to reach a level. Whereas him, like he never strike, never struck the right tone with me. Mm. And I felt he was kind of integral to show as like the vet in the family already. The other problem was, you know, who uh, the other movie that he was famously a dad around this time was, was he's the dad in Walk Hard. So all the time I'm waiting for him to go, the wrong son died, but he never says that. Um, I also had Stephen Baldwin just because in like the one scene that he's in, because him and William Baldwin are both in this movie. And there's another Baldwin. Yeah. You can just see him like mugging. I'm like, I fucking hate Stephen Baldwin. Uh, I didn't like the guy that plays Wilson. He just talked very fast and very bad. Um, but again, he's in one scene. Also wasn't a big fan of Kira Sedwick. I didn't think her deal fit the character of the movie. And again, I think it's because I, I saw I think it's this... poor writing. It's poor writing, but also... Not her acting. I, I was think. immediately just thinking of Jenny in Forrest Gump. I think that's more so it. And I don't like Jenny in Forrest Gump. So I think that's that's partially I think it's problem. poor writing. Yeah. But I, I'm i not a big Kara Sedgwick fan. I like Kara... I like, I like her I in Wunsch. I didn't... Yeah, I like her in that. Uh, as as Wunsch, but... I didn't mind her in this. I thought that yeah, you she know was... she she did the best she could. I feel like with what she got because of you know how this character is written, like yeah. the times, right, and and all of that. So I I I wasn't so so upset um, with it, but I did like her swerve deal in the end. Before you get into your bullshit, can we? It's settle? not my bullshit. I was just was going to talk about how you know. Uh, they, he was, like, lusting after her for so long and everything in love with her. And then Swerve, she ended up being liberal and anti-war, like, took him to the protests and stuff. And at that time, he was still kind of holding on to his ideals. So that was uh, that was a, a big swerve sure. there. Uh-huh. Who are we going with for LVP? Huh? Who are we going with? Tom Cruise's hairstyles. No, I don't care. Whoever you you think. Well, sell me. So fucking have no, some... No, I don't. Why Tom Cruise's hairstyle no, should no, be no, the no, LVP? No, I'm about, it's either his mom or his dad. It could be either. I don't think either of them were, were super compelling, to be quite honest with you. I feel like, you know, the, the mom was just, you know, that overly, just overly... She was just overly. But that, but that was kind of what. I mean, that, that's kind of how. That's kind of how it would be. You know are. what I mean? Yes, I get it. But I just didn't like how she was doing it. Whereas the dad, yes, that era was very much like macho this man. Held, no, but it was like this held back, you know, sensitivity, you know, stoically masculine. But <sighs> it just it, it didn't work. So we're, we're gonna go with him. We're gonna go with Raymond J. Barry is the LVP of. Um, Born on the Fourth of July. I forgot a couple other character actors here that we didn't give a shout out mention to. Shout out to Ed Lauder, who was uh, giving a speech uh, before Tom Cruise speaks, coming back home. He 
was in like fucking everything. He was in the original Longest Yard. I know him from a lot of other things. John Getz, same thing. He's been in things fucking forever. He's a character actor. Don't tell mom the babysitter's dead. Social network, etc. Um, also, Bob Gunton, fucking the warden from Shawshank Redemption, is uh, one of is the main doctor at the VA. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had one other one I just noticed and I forgot to mention. Uh, oh, Wayne Knight is also in this movie in one of the conventions, and I missed him, uh, which is rare. You normally don't miss Wayne Knight. <laughs> uh, awesome. Alrighty. Well, anything else on Born the 4th of July? Let me check my swerves. There were only five in this movie. It mm. wasn't... That's why I didn't like it. It didn't... Yeah, yeah. It wasn't too swervy. It wasn't too swervy. You're an idiot. So... <laughs> Um, well, it is score time. Uh, the problem now with, uh, not physically drawing them is I don't remember who's supposed to score it first. You can score it first. I'm torn here. It really is a tale of two movies to me. Um, I, no, I think, I think I'm settled on what I'm going to get do. So, to me, the first half of the movie is like a nine. Like, Honestly. The second half of the movie to me is like a five. So I'm going to split the difference. I'm going to give it a seven. Oh, okay. Wow. I, know I did not like this movie very much. I know you did not. Subpar for me, yep. so I'm giving it a four. Okay. So that is a five and a half for Born on the Fourth of July. Um, well, I mean, look, I just was not my cup of tea. Thought this was uh, pretty much the same as uh, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea overall. That's first movie it, of the year. That's so. what it winds up being. You are correct. So that's uh, interesting. Uh, can you pull up your random number generator so oh, we can sh- pick a random movie? Oh, yeah, 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 absolutely. And let me tell you what that number is going to be. Give me a number between 1 and 1,957. One in one thousand nine hundred and fifty seven. One thousand nine hundred and fifty seven. Nine hundred and fifty seven. Yep. Okay, ready? Yep. Seven oh two. Seven oh two. Wasn't that a girl group? That's seven oh one. No, seven oh two is Where My Girls At from the Front. Uh Echo. <laughs> Play Where My Girls At. Where My Girls At by seven hundred two. Yes! Echo. Stop. <laughs> How did you know that? You remember the seven of where my girl's at? From the front, back, where is you feeling that? 702. No. Oh, God. <laughs> Great. That's a good... I, that's what I want to hear. <laughs> I gotta remember which comedian this is. Uh, we will be watching the movie that I definitely bought in the past couple of years from the dollar store. Going to America. <laughs> And I'm correct. It is uh, n- no relation to coming to America. Ah. It is a direct-to-video movie with Eddie Griffin. Oh, Eddie Griffin. And Josh Myers. <laughs> Wait, hold on. I'm very confused. Also, is also known as Last Supper, it looks like. Two ambitious men escape. This isn't it. No, this isn't it. I want this movie. Yeah, it's got Josh Myers and Eddie Griffin. Uh, this looks bad. Let's see what Rotten Tomatoes. Let's see what Rotten Tomatoes says. Rotten Tomatoes, 
gave it a score of nothing because nobody reviewed it. Oh, wow. <laughs> but it does have a 98 audience score. So Eddie Griffin's got a lot of relatives. Oh, no, this is the right. All right. Two ambitious men escape from a mental institution with one goal, to make a film about finding a princess. As it turns out, their princess is a suicidal and jaded prostitute. Oh, my. Oh, Penny Marshall's in this as herself. Oh, gross. Well, that's coming up. Uh, remember what I said at the beginning of the podcast? Like, oh, we'll see how the rest of We'll see how May goes based on what, uh, what we draw. And uh, going to America. You know, you really got to, like, stop me when I'm uh, buying these things. I try. I try, but then you just do it. And I have to suffer. Well, as long as you have to suffer, that makes me happy. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Married Movies. We encourage you, as always, go to Arcadio.net for this podcast and the others in our network of shows. Rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. I didn't fall asleep. <laughs> Make sure you go to patreon.com slash arcadio for bonus content. Facebook.com slash Movies at marywmovies on Twitter. Marywmovies at gmail.com. Let us know what you think of the show. Uh, for me, at hostmall 38 on Instagram. For you, at jam with your Sam. Also for me, arcadeaudio.net slash podbloggle for my retro wrestling diary, where this week it is the uh, third ever ECW pay-per-view in the year 1997, November to remember. And after that, we got two shows left in 97. I already watched one of them, so maybe tomorrow I'll watch the last one in 97. Then you'll be on 98. Yes, and I'll be in 1998 until at least November, I believe. Oh, wow. If my math is... That sucks. Yeah, it's fine. It's like the best year in wrestling ever, possibly. So, you know. Oh, is it? I mean, it's the it's the Attitude Era year. It's the start of Austin McMahon. It's Goldberg. It's, yeah, it's two NWOs. It's, you know, all that stuff. Jillian so. wore her NWO shirt today to school for Decades Day. Yeah. She was so excited to show everybody too sweet. And that was a proud dad moment. It made me very happy. Aw, you big I wasn't allowed to wear wrestling shirts at school. You weren't allowed to wear wrestling shirts I, at school? I, I barely had. All my wrestling shirts I had to sleep in. Because my mom would buy, like, adult mediums. Could you imagine if you still had those? Oh, trust me. I've, there's some of them I can't even find pictures of that I know I had. That I'm like, oh, great. They're that, they're that rare. Wonderful. Yeah. For a mullet. This is mullet. Signing out for this week's episode of Married with Movies. We'll catch you next time on our couch. My mother's a cunt. <laughs> Slash the movies is what I meant. Sorry. 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 Don't edit that out. (laughs) Oh, boy. Thank you for playing Arcade Audio. Play more at ArcadeAudio.net.